Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Matilda. Matilda was written by Roald Dahl with illustrations from Quentin Blake and was published in 1988. And the film adaptation uh, was directed by Danny DeVito and came out in 1996. Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito, the very same. I was shocked when we saw this. I know, because um, right at the beginning, I kind of wish I hadn't looked it up because I would have been like so surprised yeah. if we watched the credits and saw that. Mm-hmm. But I was just generally curious. I'm like, who, you know, who directed this? And I didn't even know he was a director at any point. Yeah, me either. But he did a couple other movies. He did uh, Death to Smoochie, which I think is a Robin Williams movie, mm. and uh, Throw Mama from the Train, which is a comedic parrot, you know, version of uh, the Alfred Hitchcock movie, oh. Strangers on a Train. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. So he's done a few movies. Um, this is one of the one of the last ones, though, so kind yeah. of an interesting... And the most well-known one. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, Danny DeVito directed this, and... Yeah, I I just thought that was I, I love that. I yeah. think it's great. Yeah. I love him as an actor, so Yeah, and he also stars in it. So this mm-hmm. is definitely almost like a project for him, his special project. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> wonder how he got the the part to begin with. I wonder which came first. Like was he Yeah. Probably he, he must have been hired as the director first, because usually the later stuff is yeah. decided afterwards. But because mm-hmm. I read about other actors who were considered for the role of her dad. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. kind of just an interesting process, I'm Definitely. sure. Uh, but let's first talk maybe a little bit about the author, Roald Dahl. Yes. Because what an interesting... What an interesting... Interesting person. Weird person. <laughs> <laughs> and he's done such classics of children's literature. You know, Matilda is so beloved and well-known. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory... The BFG. Um, the BFG, James and the Giant Peach. Fantastic Mr. The Fox. The Witches, uh, lots. We could do a year of Roald Dahl yeah. adaptations alone. Yeah. Because there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if you're listening to this and you're a fan and there's other ones you want us to do in the future, assuming you don't hate our opinions on this whole episode. <laughs> we should uh, probably at least do Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at some point. Absolutely. I would also love to do Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, yeah. Because that would be our only chance to really talk about Wes Anderson. That story, though, is super short. Is it? It's tiny. Oh. Especially compared to Matilda, which so, is not even that long. Yeah. So it wouldn't be much of a... Yeah. I mean, we could think about it, but... Hmm. But, yeah. So just looking at his uh, his career of books is really impressive and crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is a British author, lived mm-hmm. in England, grew up there. And I was reading about his life, and in a lot of his books... There are these kind of evil, malicious, terrible adults mm-hmm. that torment children Yeah, in a lot of his stories. And I think, you know, scholars have said that a lot of this comes from the times that he spent in boarding school. Mm, interesting. Because he witnessed a lot of shit yeah. in the boarding school. At this time, this was around World War One and the time between World War One and World War Two. And uh, corp- corporal punishment was standard. He talked about uh, students being caned. Oh, man. And also that students were not only tormented by their um, teachers and the headmasters of the school, but the older pupils as well. And there was like a lot of hazing, initiation mm. type situations. And 
uh, apparently that really fucked him up. Yeah, clearly. This is my first girl doll book that I've ever uh, read. Oh, wow. And so and I'm only kind of familiar with like I, sh- I shouldn't say that like a lot of his movies I'm decently familiar with. Yeah. But reading this, I'm like, there's definitely a um, theme and message of uh, standing up to authority. Yeah. And kind of anarchy a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Kids having to kind of go it alone. Yeah. Not having very many allies in terms of adults Mm -hmm. and adults being the enemy. Yeah. And then I was reading an article on Roald Dahl and clearly this is a theme in a lot of his stories, which is very interesting. Yeah. And it's probably why kids love his book so much. Yeah. It's all about the kids having to kind of stand up for themselves and become their own heroes and triumph over these not like super villains, but these average adults who were just terrible. Yeah. And, you know, I think the most beloved children's authors are the ones who don't look down on kids. Yeah. You know, Maurice Sendak is another Mm -hmm. uh, example where he's like children are extremely complicated and are very have complicated emotions Mm -hmm. and we can't forget that you know you don't want to talk down to them no necessarily and i think Roald Dahl was of a similar mindset where he gives uh his readers his child readers a lot of uh credit in terms of maturity Mm -hmm. and understanding kind of like some fucked up themes yeah his stories are dark they are they're super dark yeah based on this one and other stories I'm kind of familiar with and stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he definitely does that. Um, He is a person though. Yes. There is some controversy uh, surrounding him. And I mean, like he was born in the early 1900s, um, but he has expressed some anti-Semitic views. Yeah. um, Talking, he was very anti-Israel because he was kind of, at his prime when Israel was first formed as a, as a nation. And I think those attitudes bled into him, um, kind of having these anti-Semitic views as well, which is yeah. really sad. And, and he's been quoted on, yeah. on this too. Uh, I, I forget the exact quote, but something about there's something like intrinsic in Jewish people's nature that, that makes you dislike creates them. animosity. Some, yeah. some quote along and that Hitler didn't just kill that many people for no reason. Yeah. Was essentially the, the crux of his. Yeah. Quote. Which is pretty, probably the worst thing you can say. <laughs> it's up there. <laughs> One of the worst. And on top of that, a lot of his books do have elements that are uh, either have had to change over time. Mm-hmm. For example, in Charlie, the chocolate factory, the workers were originally depicted as being black skinned. Yeah. Uh, you know, small pygmies. people, pygmies. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that was like that obviously had to change in the book. And there are other lines from other books that are kind of still to by today's standards, like, let's either edit that out or ignore it. Yeah. And in terms of today's culture, just there's a lot of um, fat shaming, I would say, in these books. Most of the characters who are described as fat are villains. Mm-hmm. And even if they're not outright villains, they are kind of meant for you to laugh at them. Or gross. Yeah, or yeah. they're described as very disgusting. So it's kind of equating ugliness and fatness with villainy. Yeah. Do you think, and this is something that just occurred to me, do you think there's like a double standard with um, authors and their real life personas and let's say like actors? Because Mm. especially currently, you know, um, with a lot of actors uh, getting 
the shit that they deserve yeah. over years of, you know, abusing people and getting away with stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of their work for to me, for example, like with Louis C.K., I was a big Louis C.K. fan. Yeah, uh, I thought his show was incredibly smart. I thought his stand up for as gross as it could be was still very well done. But now I'm like, I- I'm not going to watch it anymore. I, I just I it. can't because yeah. it's too close to home with like what he did and stuff. Um, but I think with authors in this way, it's much easier to turn to turn a blind eye. I mean, in the context that we've talked about on this podcast, most of these authors are dead. True. And they grew up in a time that was different than now. That so is true. That gives us a little bit of, you know, well, they were a product of a different time. Mm-hmm. And it's important for us that when we do read these books, not to like stop reading them, but to talk about these things when we do read them and not to just gloss over that. I agree. Although, what, what, what's the term when uh, a crime you can't be uh, convicted for a crime? Double jeopardy? No, no, no. You can't be after a certain amount of time. Oh, statute of limitations. <laughs> the statute of limitations on anti-Semitism, though, is a, isn't, is a lot longer because like he's making these comments, you yeah. know. In the middle of the 20th century when it was still like, you know. Yeah. I mean, those those views might have been more common back then still. But, you know, there's still that element of like, I don't know how much we should celebrate this person. Yeah, no, I agree. So I don't know. That was just something. I actually saw an article that they were going to put him on a coin or Ooh. something, a stamp or something. And then people were like, no. <laughs> and so they didn't. Yeah. I'm not sure. I just read the headline. I was literally just like Googling Roald Dahl, looking up information on him. And I just saw, I just caught like one headline that was like, you know, so-and-so scraps plan for putting Roald Dahl on a coin or something or commemorative something uh, due to anti-Semitism. Mm, yeah. So it, I mean. It's still, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think in the literary world, there are more efforts to do just that. Yeah. Recently with the Laura Ingalls Wilder Award. Yes. That yeah. was a children's fiction award. People were like, hey, maybe let's change the name of this award. We're not saying don't read her books anymore. Just like don't give her credit when she had very troubling views about Native Americans. Don't celebrate her yeah. as a person. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm just curious uh, whether we'll ever see a similar thing with a lot of the people currently, mm-hmm. you know, if, if in the in the future we'll be like, well, that was a different time, even though like it wasn't and it's still yeah. terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It was just something I'm actively. It's something to think about for sure. I'm just spewing out words. Please don't take any of this as too much of an opinion. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. But. And I, I think there is some thoughts with that in the literary world right now. Yeah. It's just yeah. not as I think obvious mm-hmm. because authors are less of a celebrity than actors true, and true. actresses are. Yeah, you kind of have to sometimes dig up their views. Even with Roald Dahl. Yeah. I had to read really deep into an article about him before it got to that point and it was about him being controversial. So Yeah. Yeah. But uh we probably talked about Roald Dahl enough at this point and we're ready to Yeah, let's talk about Matilda. Let's get into Matilda. Let's talk about Matilda what's up with her? <laughs> and what's going on in her life. So uh can you Adina Yes. read the opening lines to this book because as soon as I read this I was like, "Oh, I'm really on board with this story already." <laughs> okay. <clears throat> it's a funny thing about mothers and fathers. Even when their own child is the most disgusting little blister you could ever imagine, they still think that he or she is wonderful. Some parents go further. 
They become so blinded by adoration, they manage to convince themselves their child has qualities of genius. Well, there's nothing very wrong with all this. It's the way of the world. It is only when the parents begin telling us about the brilliance of their own revolting offspring that we start shouting, bring us a basin. We're going to be sick. <laughs> <laughs> this, this opening struck so close to home with me because some of the best advice I think my dad has ever given me in my life was, he was like, listen, Ian, if you ever grow up and have kids, he's like, just remember no one ever wants to hear about your kids. <laughs> He's like, they want to know if they're like healthy and yeah. doing well. And then that's it. He's like, anything else is just no one cares. <laughs> and I was like, wow. It's so true. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. So yeah, just immediately like kind of the witty uh, insight that Roald Dahl brings to this story. There's like, so much humor in this. It's great. That's great. Yeah. And Roald Dahl uses this intro to talk about how most parents love their children so much and are always bragging about them. However, in this case, we're talking about parents of Matilda who actually dislike her and don't <laughs> and hate her and never talk about her. In fact, probably don't talk to her at all either. And are just terrible. The worst. And and something I really love about this setup is in so many stories, uh, kids have terrible parental figures, but usually they're like step parents yeah. or like adoptive An parents aunt, yeah. yeah and usually like oh their true parents were really actually great people or they're orphans or yeah something. and it's a tragedy like a series of unfortunate events yeah or, uh, a lot of like stories like cinderella cinderella mm-hmm. yeah um but this book's like no these are her actual parents <laughs> biological parents and they're horrible <laughs> <laughs> so i appreciated that because i'm sure uh, a lot of kids probably, even young kids can probably relate to this to an extent. Oh, yeah. Or even just the feeling of being different than your family. Yeah. You know, not quite fitting in. Matilda definitely doesn't fit in. From a very young age, she teaches herself how to read and yep. <laughs> uh, is just reading the newspaper at like three years old. <laughs> and then uh, begins walking to the library. Yeah. And reading there and being introduced to a wide variety of literature. This was one of my favorite scenes. Obviously, I work in a library, so I appreciate this. <laughs> but I was like, oh, this is such like a positive representation of a library. And the librarian was so great because Matilda went and the librarian wasn't like, hey, like, you're five years old and you don't have an adult with you. Yeah. Like, this is not cool or what's going on. She just shows Matilda where the books are. And then when Matilda is like, I'm looking for bigger books, I read all the children's books. She is like, well, you know, here are some of the ones that I really like. So she's just like sharing herself with Matilda. And then she's like, I can get you a library card so you don't have to come here every day. You can take the books home. (laughs) (laughs) I knew reading that part. I'm like, oh, Adina probably loves this part because it's so great and such a good depiction of libraries. And it's like a a positive adult in Matilda's life where her parents are not understanding and they don't read because there are no books in the house, which is why she goes to the library. No, her parents don't believe in books. Uh, In the movie version... So the parents are played by uh, Danny DeVito plays the father. Yeah. And his she, they divorced, which mm-hmm. is really sad because they were together forever. But his wife at the time, uh, whose name I can't remember, uh, <laughs> plays uh, the, the mother. Mm-hmm. So it's cool that, you know, they were married in real life and play this yeah. like, terrible, couple. terrible couple. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they play uh, Matilda's parents. Danny DeVito also narrates this movie. Which is weird. I don't like it. I'm like, 
It's strange because, yeah, his voice is not as, like, wild and wacky as, like, his character, but you can still tell it's Danny DeVito's voice. So it, like, throws you off and you're like, what's happening? Yeah, part of me was like, is his character going to take a turn? Yeah. Later, like, at the end of the movie and he's, like... Repent from his Thoughtfully reflecting on this, because it's just a very weird choice to have him narrate. It is. Um, I mean, he does a good job, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not like how that... hard would it have been to get someone else to narrate? I this? know it's not like an enormous aspect of the story, and I feel like it would have been just as easy to get anyone else to narrate it. So, yeah, that choice was a little strange to me. Yeah. But that being said, uh, Danny DeVito is excellent. Is so fantastic. <laughs> he was born to play Mr. Wormwood, the shady used car salesman. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, just a great interpretation. The uh, Mr. Wormwood is described very differently in the uh, book as yeah. being like very thin Scrawny. and kind of ratty looking, mm-hmm. whereas Danny DeVito was a very short kind of plump man. Yeah. But Danny DeVito just is so, I don't know, just every line he delivers is just so funny. He's just unapologetically terrible. Yeah. I love it. It's, it, it's, <laughs> it's great. And honestly, later on in the movie when he's not in it as much, yeah. I kind of feel like the movie suffers a little bit because he's just I such agree. a great presence in yeah. the movie and so hilarious. He's charming but terrible. Exactly. The <laughs> best combination. Yeah. There's a really great scene where he takes Matilda and her brother Michael to his car dealership. Yeah. <laughs> and he shows them the ways of cheating people. Yeah. They have like this bumper and he's like, now you should really weld this back onto the car, but that takes time. So we're going to super glue it. <laughs> and he's pouring sawdust in the engines mm-hmm. and running the odometers backwards, all that type of thing. I, I kind of like it because you can tell he's, he like, I feel like, Matilda gets her smarts from him. Yeah. Only he just uses it for like a really terrible for evil. purpose. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like smart in like a terrible, horrible way and uses it to cheat people. To cheat people out of money. So Yeah. But I did like that there's kind of that intelligence there. Yeah. It's just bad. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a shitty person. He's just the worst. <laughs> Matilda's mom just plays bingo all day yeah that's it that's her personality that's it 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 begins and ends there and also she's very proud of her looks she's very blonde and platinum blonde and very uh busty Mm -hmm. she is one of the characters in the book though who is described as being overweight in like a negative way as you know as kind of correlating that with ugliness yeah so that is problematic with her book version yeah and her thinking that she's beautiful and really being kind of unattractive i think yeah yeah yeah. and then her brother yeah who in the book is just like a non-character but then in the movie is just an additional layer of shittiness in her life yeah just like picking on her and being like a tool yeah he throws marshmallows at her on and that one scene yeah i was like what is wrong with you just leave her alone i mean i guess they figured like we might as well just like go the whole way and just really (laughs) make this worse for her so that it makes sense in that way and of course the girl who plays matilda yes is so fantastic she is just mara wilson right mara wilson Mm -hmm. yeah this was her uh, i actually don't know what number of movie Mm -hmm. but she was in mrs doubtfire before this and in the remake of miracle on 34th street which is really where her career kind of like kicked off Mm -hmm. and she was getting a lot of offers 
And apparently she was a big fan of Matilda the book. And so she jumped on the opportunity to get to act in the movie. That's so cool. But like. She's so cute. I love her. She's so cute. Yeah. And very kind of reserved in a lot of ways because child actors, I'll tell you what. Yeah. It is so easy for them to just be obnoxious Mm -hmm. and just like you just can't stand them. Yeah. And but she's just so likable and I just love like her in every scene that she's yeah. in. She's great. Mm-hmm. So. I buy it. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I'm totally sold. <laughs> <laughs> and Matilda is just like such a charming character in general. Yeah. You know, she's very smart. She's bookish. She's quiet. She is persecuted, mm-hmm. but she's still strong of heart and like character and like not only helps herself out of a tricky situation, but helps other people as well. Yeah. And you know what? I actually really like the movie version of her better. Mm. Not a ton, but there's kind of an element to her in the movie where she is very adult in a lot of ways in terms of like being on top of things and being aware of things like watching her make breakfast for herself and later on like in an end scene like she like pulls like documents that she has like ready to go for something like Mm -hmm. she's just very aware and observant about things that she's writing her own story yeah and it really adds an element to the movie that i thought was funnier than in the book Mm -hmm. you know yeah so kind of a different there's there's a subtlety to it but there's definitely a difference between the book she feels more independent yeah yeah, I, I'd say so. In the in the book, she just seems generally sweet and smart. Yeah. But I guess there's more of a sassiness to her in the movie. <laughs> Maybe that's the word. Sassy. Sassy. Like it. Yeah. Should we get to the pranks? Yeah. Talking about sassy. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that leads us oh, to the oh, pranks. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're talking about sassy, Matilda's parents are mean to her and her dad uh, tears up a library book because she won't watch TV with them. And she's like, don't you understand the concept of a library book? I have to bring it back, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> How angry did that make you? That- uh, because Matilda has to pay for it now. I know. And it's not her fault. And they never mentioned the library again. And I wonder I if she never went back because she couldn't pay for it. No, she probably did. It's fine. Okay, yeah. She just had to save some of her pocket money. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't betray uh, Mrs. Um, what was the librarian's name? I don't know. Nah, I, I, I knew it for a bit. <laughs> she wouldn't betray her trust, though. No. Uh, so Matilda decides that. She needs to make her parents pay and she needs to take up vengeance as a hobby. <laughs> vengeance. <laughs> yeah. So thus begins a series of her anarchist, um, vengeful acts in which she. Mostly on her dad. Yeah. Only on her dad. Now that yeah. I think about it. I mean, mm-hmm. he is the worst, but yeah, it starts in the book with her, uh, super gluing, his hat to his head. Yes. <laughs> Classic. Classic. <laughs> so, of course, can't get it off. And then they end up having to, like, cut the hat away after he has to wear it all day. Yeah. And look like a fool because it's like this ridiculous hat with, like, a feather in it. There's a funny scene in the movie where they go out to dinner. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, uh, the mom is like, take off your hat, honey. Like, this is a fancy restaurant. You got to take your hat off. You can't get it off. They're pulling. They're in this fancy restaurant. Everyone's looking at them. And of course, they go crashing into like a dessert table. It's great. It's excellent. I, I love that scene. <laughs> this movie is so wacky. It is. 
And I always watch a movie like this that I'm enjoying. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how do they do this? Like, what is the element of this that makes it good, good? and not dumb? Yeah. I thought yeah. I had the same feelings like watching Paddington. Yeah. Which are such good movies. Those are great movies. And there's a lot of things in those movies I can point to mm-hmm. and say like, oh, this is actually really smart or this is really like well crafted. Mm-hmm. But overall, I'm like, how do they accomplish like these wacky situations and scenes? And you're on board. And I'm on board with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of kids movies go this route and you're just like, eh. Yeah, they go for the the classic like falling into a dessert Mm-hmm. plate you know but why do we love it instead of being like oh this again yeah i don't know exactly what it is now this movie does at points especially later on kind of teeter over that edge mm-hmm. to scenes where i'm like okay i'm not really in in, in a, as absorbed with this as yeah. i was in other scenes but maybe it's danny devito maybe maybe it's just Danny DeVito and his <laughs> magnetic presence yeah i mean i believe that <laughs> I, I agree I, I think that's it <laughs> Uh, there's another scene later where she uh, puts peroxide in his hair sh- oil in his hair oil. Yeah. So he bleaches his own hair and it's super gross. Yeah. And in the book, there's a part where like his wife's like, you need to wash that off. And he's like, my hair is on fire. And it was like falling <laughs> out. Yeah. And then the most the, the strangest book one. Yeah. Where she borrows a friend's parrot. Yeah. And puts it up the chimney. She sticks this parrot up into the chimney. This poor in bird. In its cage. Yeah. Yeah. I felt so bad for this bird. And then she was like, there's a ghost in the room. And then they just hear the parrot talking. Yeah. And they're like, there's a ghost. <laughs> yeah. And just scares them. And then later, like, yeah. she takes it out of the chimney and it's like all soot covered. I know. I'm like, that bird's going to die in like a week. It has black lung. From black lung. <laughs> 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 it's going to be coughing up black clouds of oh, smoke. Oh, that poor bird. Yeah, that was just such a almost like random wacky scene. Yeah. Uh, and eventually this prompts her parents to be like, yeah, you're ready to go to school. Mm-hmm. Get in, out of here. In the book, it's not really a thing for her to go to school. Like she's just sent there. In the movie, her dad doesn't want her to go to school at first. Yeah. And it's like this whole thing where he's like, no, I need someone here to like sign for the packages and mm, yeah that whole setup and she's like i want to go to school and he <laughs> won't let her and then he's like okay finally i'll send her to school because i met the principal of a school who said that she was all about discipline yeah which of course is the trunchbull the trunchbull mm-hmm. who we're introduced to first in the movie when she gets to school yeah but in the book we're introduced first to miss honey her this actual is, teacher. This is definitely heavy handed on the names. <laughs> Just a little bit. In case you're wondering who are the good people and who are the bad people, can you decide who is better, <laughs> Miss Honey or Miss Trunchbull? Mm. <laughs> hmm. I want to say Miss Honey. Yes. Would I be correct? You would be right. Okay. <laughs> it's very effective naming then. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, Miss Honey is just this very sweet, nice, uh, young teacher. Young, cute teacher. Very, very thin and petite. Yes. This was something I read that was kind of a criticism of Roald Dahl with the female characters, where the author of the article is like, the female characters are either like super horrible, evil, maniacal characters. Yeah. Or they're sweet, pure visions. Angels. Of goodness. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean... Yeah, Miss Honey is described as thin 
uh, with light brown hair, uh, young. Mm-hmm. And Miss Trunchbull, in comparison, even though we're not getting to her yet, is a large woman, muscular. She's yeah. in her like 40s or 50s. So like the opposite of this like young youthful like sexy (laughs) (laughs) you know like the sexy teacher yes the sexy teacher yeah but yeah she's just like this very sweet uh teacher and matilda lugs her immediately and in the book we're told that all the students love her because she's just kind she makes their lessons wonderful she really cares about them you can tell she has a passion for teaching yeah she's great there's a really funny uh sequence in the movie where you know, the school to match Miss Trunchbull is just kind of dark and dank and gross. Yeah. And of course, Miss Honey being so bright and fun. There's a scene in the movie where Miss Trunchbull's coming to the classroom. Yeah. And it reminded me of School of Rock where they're putting oh, the, the yeah. music equipment away. They have all these art projects and colorful posters and they're like quickly tearing them down. And like they have this whole uh, set up with things like wheeling away and folding up and yeah. like posters that fold down into like a list of rules. Uh-huh. It's very fun. And I really liked that. It's one of the moments where, you know, you can see how the director and writer of the movie kind of was like filling in gaps. Yeah. In an interesting way where it's like, OK, we have this really sweet teacher in a terrible school. And of course, she'd want to make her classroom a bright and happy place. Yeah. And it's like, how does that work? Yeah. You know, what can... How can we tell that story in a funny way and explain how those a, two things? And I love the visual storytelling element of that. And yeah. like the, the gag of it, too, where you're laughing mm-hmm. when they're quickly like deploying this like <laughs> decoy classroom. Yeah, yeah, like pulling cords. And yeah, yeah. so I, I, that's kind of a way where, you know, a movie like this really adds to the story and adds to the world mm-hmm. in a smart way that is symbiotic with everything else that came from the book yeah so I, I appreciated elements like that in this movie mm-hmm. is that it for miss honey should we move on for the yes. time being to yes. miss trunchbull the trunchbull <laughs> bull not bowl trunchbull <laughs> bowl <laughs> for all your trunches uh yeah she is the the big villain of this one yes and we're told pretty quickly in both the book and the movie by an older student who kind of gives the skinny to Matilda <laughs> and her friend uh, Lavender. Yeah. Uh, about the Trunchbull. And, you know, we hear about how she's evil. She hates children. She has this thing called the Chokey, which is just a closet filled with spikes. It's like a medieval yeah. uh, torture device looking thing. Yeah, that children are thrown into. And and the girl that tells them about this has been in the chokey like three times. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, it's like a prison where you have the person who's been in solitary multiple times yeah. and they're like hardened. <laughs> but I, I enjoy that in the movie we're introduced to Trenchbull yeah. first. Mm-hmm. Since she is kind of the big presence and the big villain of the story I enjoy that we see her first. And so she comes out into the schoolyard. Yeah. And just begins tormenting and tormenting all, all the, the children. children. <laughs> when we get this amazing encounter with her Aww. and this little girl, Amanda, <laughs> Amanda, where she's berating her for having pigtails. Yeah. She has little braided pigtails. And she's so cute. I know. Miss Trunchbull is like, are you a pig, Amanda? <laughs> like, then why do you have pigtails? And then she goes, my mommy says they're sweet. <laughs> like in the softest, most adorable voice I ever. I know, she's got little glasses. And then 
uh, Miss Trunchbull grabs Amanda by the pigtails, spins her around and around and around, <laughs> and then throws her. Launches her over a, a, like a wrought iron fence. Yeah. And into a field next to the school. Yeah. The effects in this part were pretty good. They were. They were decent. And the whole... It was such a bizarre scene because, like, she lands in this field and goes sliding for, like, 20 feet. Yeah. And then when she is... When she stopped and stands up and is safe, like, all the kids cheer. Yeah. It's like, what is happening? Is this a tournament? Like... <laughs> There's a uh, a similar scene in the book, too, where she hurls a girl by her pigtails. And an interesting part afterwards where Matilda's kind of explaining how, you know, it's such a ridiculous thing for yes. her to do. Mm-hmm. But she's like, that's the key is she goes so extreme with her punishments. punishments that if we told her parents, they would never believe us. Yeah. And that's kind of her trick mm-hmm. is she does things that are so over the top. If she was halfway kind of. Yeah. On these punishments. Yeah. yeah. Then it would be more believable. But mm-hmm. she's like, that's her trick and her secret is she just does it so hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that part. I, I like that it was too. Interesting. Yeah. There is a part too in the movie where she, the, the older girl is like, would your parents believe you if you told them yeah. what happened? And Matilda's like, I mean, my w- mine wouldn't. They wouldn't believe anything I said if I told them anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Trunchbull, the woman who plays her yeah. in the movie, does an excellent job. Yes. And it's actually the same person. She plays Harry Potter's aunt in the third movie at the beginning. Oh, my gosh. The one who gets blown up. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I want to like watch that scene again now, now that I know that. <laughs> I'm a little mixed on her depiction in the movie. Yeah. Um, I really like when she's physical and is like depicted as just being incredibly powerful. Yeah. And strong. She was an Olympian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she competed like the javelin and the hammer toss and the shot put. Uh And there's a lot of uh, parallels to that with how she like throws children and stuff like out the window. Yeah. She's training. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, and there's a scene later on, like a whole scene that takes place at her house where she's in uh, workout clothing and she has like a uh, a powerlifting belt on. Yeah. And at one point she just has to lift her whole car. Yeah. And like spin it around. And I really <laughs> liked those elements. Yeah. I don't, it's not correlating like that making her evil. It just makes her more intimidating in yeah, a way. Yeah, she's a strong villain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there are parts, though, with her. Like stuffing her face with cake. Yeah. And kind of making that fat correlation that yeah. aren't as good. Mm-hmm. Overall, though, they did a pretty decent job with it, I think, in the movie. Yeah. Not I, going too far in that direction. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just when you're reading descriptions of someone that it becomes like, uh, you yeah. know, when you're describing someone like in the book, they describe like her th- thighs and like calves being really huge in like a gross way yeah and like talk about how she has like a huge bosom you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and like all of these things that are are described in a kind of grotesque way a movie can kind of just show someone and it might not be like super flattering but they're not like rubbing your face in it it feels like anyway exactly uh it's not like yeah world doll almost describes it like a deformity of some sort yeah so yeah movie I think pulls this off better. Yeah. Uh, we get a great scene with Bruce Bogtrotter. Bruce Bogtrotter. When they're all called into assembly and Miss Trunchbull says, 
someone ate my cake. And she calls Bruce Bogtrotter up. And at first he will not admit it. And then she kind of tricks him into admitting that he did eat her cake. Yeah. And then her punishment for him is to brings out a huge chocolate cake and says, you have to eat all of it. Yeah. I love the buildup, though, because it takes a while to get to it. Yeah. At first, she's like, why don't you have more cake? And he's like, uh. This is a trick, but I don't know how. Okay. And he, like, <laughs> eats it. And he's like, yeah, it's good. And then she's like, why don't you eat more? And, you know, brings out more. He's like, I'm, I'm not hungry. <laughs> and so, basically, she holds the whole school captive in yeah. the... Uh, Auditorium. In the, in the auditorium until Bruce Bogtrotter finishes the entire cake. Yeah. And the whole time, Matilda and Lavender, they're like, he's not going to make it. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to throw up. He can't eat that whole cake. He's just going to puke. But then they're like, no, he's going to do it. He's, <laughs> he's going to do it. And Matilda, and they all stand up and they start to cheer him on. Yeah. And they're like, go, Bruce, you can do it. <laughs> and then they're like, Bruce, 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 Bruce. <laughs> and he's just eating this cake. And the whole assembly is on their feet screaming, <laughs> Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. <laughs> it's amazing. It's such a good scene. I just love the way it turns on. Uh, Trunchbull. Trunchbull, yeah. yeah, this punishment suddenly like unites the school against her. Yeah, and it's it's just the students standing behind this yeah. kid where this was supposed to be a very embarrassing and humiliating scene yeah. for him. Where he's supposed to eat this cake and then like throw up on himself and like in front of the school. Mm-hmm. And instead the students are like, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I mm-hmm. thought it was I thought it was done so well. I love in the book the description where like at first <laughs> It was like hesitant, but then like he got into his rhythm yeah. and it was like like going faster as he went. And they're yeah. like, oh, my God. <laughs> There's kind of a, an interesting difference in the book in terms of um, the characters you follow and stuff. Yeah. Because the book is more free to like exclude Matilda from scenes and yeah. parts mm-hmm. and kind of just like highlight a character for a part. So, for example, in this scene, it's kind of all about Bruce Bogtrotter. Yeah. And the movie's similar, but they incorporate Matilda a bit more where she's the first one. To stand up. To stand up and start cheering and, like, kind of leads that, like, revolt Mm -hmm. against Trunchbull. Uh, A similar scene with that hardened uh, older girl that we were talking about. Oh, yeah. Where in the book, it's a whole part about just, like, all the pranks she pulled on her and, like, Mm -hmm. her punishments and everything. And it's kind of just an interesting difference where the book just feels more free to move around. Yeah. And just kind of focus on individual characters and not really worry about Matilda's role in it. Yeah. Which is, I, I don't know. I just, I always kind of find that interesting how books have more freedom sometimes in that way. Yeah. And we can see other characters and we're like, we still know Matilda's there. Like, it's fine. You know what Matilda's like. <laughs> <laughs> She's just being smart and lonely. <laughs> smart and lonely. Smart and lonely. Yeah. This leads to a scene with a newt Mm -hmm. where a newt is put in Miss Trunchbull. I I, I, like always have to remind myself what her name is. I don't know why. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I always forget. Uh, Lavender does this. Yes. Lavender is the culprit this time. In the book, they talk about how Lavender wants to like keep up with Matilda because she knows about all the pranks Matilda has been pulling on her parents. And she's (laughs) like, oh, I got to like be cool and vengeful as well. Yeah. This was like another part that like followed Lavender for a little bit as she sets up this uh, (laughs) prank. So they put 
a newt in her water pitcher. Yeah. And so as she's in the classroom berating the children, she pours the newt out in her glass and is drinking from that water. Mm-hmm. And of course, when she finds out, she starts freaking out and going nuts. Yeah. This is one of those parts where she's like dancing around, yelling. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, eh. is she afraid of it? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it was like a little too much. Yeah. And I'm like, it- I don't know. Would she really be afraid of this thing? Like, and it's also super easy to just like get it off of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know where it's just like, Oh, kids will like this. Cause it's a teacher dancing around and like yeah, yelling. being scared. Yeah. But during the scene, when the nude is still in the glass, Matilda's getting really upset and angry. Yeah. In the book, uh, Trunchbull is specifically calling out Matilda. Is it the same in the movie? I kind of forget. Yeah, yeah. And Matilda's so upset for being falsely accused of this crime (laughs) (laughs) that she discovers she has psychic abilities Mm -hmm. or telekinesis. Yes. My bad. Where she topples the glass over with her brain powers. Uh, I love the description in the book. Yeah, I do too. She talks about how... She stared at it with her eyes and her eyes got hot mm-hmm. and like electricity was like coursing through her eyeballs. Yeah. And it was like thousands of tiny hands were like yeah. extending from her eyes. And through her eyes, her evil eyes, uh, <laughs> she tips the glass over onto Miss Trunchbull. And of course, the lizard or the, the newt, I'm sorry. The, yeah. <laughs> the newt falls onto Miss Trunchbull's chest and she's like, I'll get it off. Get it off. <laughs> and everyone laughs. Yeah. Yeah. Did you also did you feel like this book was um, uh, one step away from becoming Stephen King's Carrie? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was pretty close. Psychic girl in school who's like bullied and tormented. Except she uses her powers for uh, playful pranks. (laughs) Yes. Playful pranks. Yeah. Uh, Ultimately, possibly solving a unsolved murder mystery. But we'll get to that. (laughs) We'll, we'll go down that road when we get to it. Um, just mentioning that, uh, we talked about a little bit earlier, just between us, um, about how the movie kind of sets things up a little bit more. Yeah. Has some like foreshadowing for certain elements and that the book kind of just drops you in. One of those things is Matilda's powers. Yeah. So in the book, the first time we get any hint of Matilda having powers is this scene with the trunch bowl where she uses her eyes to tip the glass over. But there's a scene in the movie earlier where she's watching TV with her parents and they're being really mean to her and they're yelling at her. And you can see that she's just glaring at the TV and she's like angry. And then all of a sudden it explodes. Uh, There's also parts with uh, the FBI investigating her father. (laughs) Oh, my God. Which is very funny. It's amazing. Where (laughs) Matilda and this goes back to the movie version of Matilda just being very perceptive. Yeah. And funny. And she's constantly telling her parents like, oh, yeah, there's cops outside. Yeah. And her mom's like, no, they're motorboat salesmen. (laughs) (laughs) And and we get different scenes of those FBI uh, agents watching the house and stuff. Mm -hmm. But this later at the very end of the movie pays off when, uh, not to spoil anything, but when the fam, the parents are trying to flee the country yeah, because the dad's been caught, caught selling parts and like doing Mm -hmm. all this shady dealings. 
Which is the same explanation in the book. Yeah. In the book, he's just, he's actually dealing in stolen cars. Mm-hmm. In the movie, it's stolen car parts, which is all the packages that yeah. keep arriving. Um, but it's basically the same thing. And at, at the end of the story, they have to flee because the feds are on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I, this is kind of um, something I've noticed a lot with adaptations the movie versions versus the books yeah. and kind of once again, something that kind of how the book is free to just go away from Matilda for a while yeah, and seems to work. Books also sometimes are more effective at just being able to drop random plot points into yeah. the story. And you're just like, okay, this is a thing now. Mm-hmm. Whereas movies, when that happens, it's very jarring. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. An example is like there's something in movies called Chekhov's gun Mm -hmm. where if you show a gun in a movie, it's basically like someone better use that gun later and vice versa. If someone just kind of like pulls a gun out of nowhere who doesn't have a gun. Yeah. um, You're like, what? Do they have a gun? I didn't know they had a gun. I experienced this watching the new season of Daredevil Mm -hmm. um, where the character Karen pulls a gun out of her purse randomly. Yeah. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like. She has a gun? Like, where did this come from? I feel like she had a gun in, like, the previous seasons, maybe? Mm, maybe. I'm not. It's been a while. That's possible. Yeah. But I still feel like they should have, like... Shown us. Uh, yeah. You reminded sure, us. Putting it in your purse. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so movies typically kind of have to drop hints about stuff much more yeah. than books do. That's interesting to think about. Yeah. I'm not sure why. I don't know. Books are just much more free-flowing in a way. Yeah. For whatever reason. <laughs> where you're like... Kinda, okay. You're more along for the ride and you're like, yeah, I'll go with this. Like yeah. this random thing happening or this divergence from the main character. Mm-hmm. But movies, if something comes out of nowhere, it's very, very apparent. Yeah. And you're just like, what is this? What is happening? Mm-hmm. And I think... I mean, we've talked about visual storytelling a lot and visual clues that are supposed to lead you to a conclusion and how interesting that is and how exciting when that works well yeah, and how disorienting it is when it doesn't work. And you're like, wait, what What is this leading up to? I didn't have any idea this was going to happen. It felt out of nowhere because you're right. You do feel disoriented and confused Mm -hmm. when things in movies just kind of pop out. It also enriches the story, you know, by setting up that end scene where her parents are trying to flee the country. You know, we got all these funny moments with the FBI agents investigating the house. Funny moments where Matilda's telling her parents that they're cops, but no one believes her. Yeah. I mean, we would have believed at the end. Okay. Uh, Mr. Wormwood is a shitty guy. finally getting caught. Yeah. Like we would have believed that probably. Yeah. it's much better to have gotten all those elements and characters involved in the story earlier. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's an interesting aspect of adaptations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, and I can't tell if like, I'm like, should I be more critical of the book for dropping this stuff out of nowhere? Mm. I mean. That's not my initial response when that happens. Yeah, but it's a good point. Yeah, but I feel like they could do it more often. I sometimes feel like books kind of take that for granted where People are more okay with it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So that's my thoughts on those things. 
those were some thoughts that we had on those things. <laughs> and this concludes our segment, Thoughts on Things. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next time for more things and the thoughts surrounding them. <laughs> what's, what's happening? What, yeah, where are we going? I don't what, know. <laughs> what's, where, where's Matilda? What's Matilda up to? Um, Miss, my, my notes say Miss Honey's backstory. Oh, yeah. So after Matilda... Uh, knocks the glass over with her eyes, with her hot eyes. Her hot, hot eyes. Her blazing eyes. She tells Miss Honey about it because immediately she knows that she needs to tell someone because it's just crazy. And she already feels like she can trust Miss Honey. Yeah. And then we haven't talked about this, but Miss Honey kind of figured out that Matilda was a genius Mm -hmm. because she can, you know, do all these um, mathematical figures in her head. She can read... um, large books already and so she's like matilda's a genius she tries she goes to miss trunchbull and she goes to matilda's parents to try to get some help for her she wants to move matilda up in some grades she wants to further her education but of course everyone is like fuck that (laughs) (laughs) i'm not investing in i don't care about children the youth and and the future we get a great line from mrs wormwood where she says you chose books I chose looks <laughs> to I, Miss Honey. Yeah, I think that's in the movie, too. Yeah. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's a really great... And Miss Honey's just like, what? What the fuck? She's <laughs> like, okay, I can see that I cannot get through to you. Um, so she's kind of been uh, an advocate for Matilda. So Matilda tells Miss Honey that I knocked the glass over with my eyes. <laughs> and Miss Honey's like... Of course you did. <laughs> and she's, and then she's like... In, in, in the book, she immediately uh, verifies this. By proving it. Mm-hmm. She proves it later in the movie, but not immediately. Yeah. But Miss Honey's like, I know what I'll do. I'll take this child back to my house with me. <laughs> Would you like to come home with me, Matilda? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was fine with it. And everyone was fine with it because nobody cared about Matilda. Mm-mm. So Matilda goes back to Miss Honey's house. Yes. And in the movie, it's this quaint, nice little... Cottage. Cottage, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the book... Miss Honey basically lives in a hole. <laughs> Miss Honey is broke as shit. Oh in my the god. Book. She's in this farm cottage, but it's just two rooms made kind of out of the earth because it's like built into a hill. Yeah. And no electricity. There's no electricity. There's no running water. So there's no plumbing, no bathroom. Miss mm-hmm. Honey does not have a bed. She tells Matilda <laughs> that she sleeps on the floor and that it's good for her back. Yeah, she's like, I hear that's good for your back. She has boxes to sit on for chairs. Uh, and then she has like one piece of bread yeah. in, in her uh, cupboard. And yeah, it's it's a terrible, terrible situation. And Matilda's sort of like, okay, okay. Uh, Miss Honey, don't teachers get paid money? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have money? <laughs> uh, there's a part I love where Miss Honey gives her tea and is apologizing for not having any sugar. And Mat- there's a line where like Matilda understood how delicate this like interaction was or this exchange so yeah she's just like it's fine like as a, as this tiny child she's like ah the polite and social situations <laughs> of this interaction yeah <laughs> the delicate tightrope walk of making her feel okay about this yeah so of course in the book matilda asks miss honey about you know what's up with her why do you live in this hole in the ground like a mm-hmm. hobbit and in the movie, uh, Miss Honey just tells Matilda her story. But basically, Miss Honey had a mom that died when she was very young. 
And so her father asked her aunt to come live with them to take care of Miss Honey. And her aunt was Miss Trunchbull. Yes. And she was very mean and cruel. Yeah. And just like awful. Yeah. And then after Miss Trunchbull has lived with them for a while, um, Miss Honey's father dies under mysterious circumstances. And after that, Miss Honey is basically Miss Trunchbull's slave. And it's just really sad. She talks about having to like do all the chores and not having any like food really. And Miss Trunchbull being really mean to her and then not letting her go to college. And then when she's an adult and she can leave, she has no money. And Miss Trunchbull tells her that she owes her like thousands of dollars for taking care of her as a child and feeding her. The book gets so real at this point. Like, okay, her sad teacher is like completely dirt poor. Yeah. And she tells this whole sad backstory about her dad dying and then living under the thumb of Miss Trunchbull for years. Yeah. And it just really gets into the like the serious, deep ramifications of living under someone like living this. with a caregiver or having someone that's supposed to take care of you and who treats you like child abuse. No, yeah. We're talking about child abuse. <laughs> we are. We are for, for sure. Yeah. And Miss Honey like continues to say, cause you know, Matilda is as a child asking like, well, why didn't you leave? Like, why didn't yeah. you do this? And like, even now you're an adult, can't you go and like do your own thing? And, and, uh, Miss Honey's like, I know, I know, like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have agreed to give her my money. Yeah. But, but I lived under her thumb for so long. Like, I was so weak and I, like, couldn't say no to her because I just didn't have any fight left in me. Yeah. And like, her spirit was broken. It's so sad. It is. And, like, so real. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. This kind of really gets into a theme of the book about just growing up and kind of like trauma yeah. and like is childhood like inherently traumatic? I think Roald, Roald Dahl would think so. I think he does. Yeah. And I think that's almost the case he's making. Like, yeah. cause even in, I, I don't know, he really rides this line in the book of, you know, the things that Miss Trunchbull does to the kids, like they're wacky. Yeah. Like her lifting kids by their ears, but they're also like, this hurts. Like you're hurting yeah. me. Like yeah. very verbally. Violent. Yeah. You're, you're being violent. Like, and, and at one point, Miss Honey is like, stop, you're going to scar, you're going to like either traumatize the children or you're going to scar the children. She says something along those lines. Yeah. And Miss Trunchbull's like, good, like they could use it. And yeah. like, you know, they need to get tougher or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, my God, is all of childhood and just raising children about like literally traumatizing them? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> but I just thought that was, I, I don't know, a very interesting adult. Not adult, but just a intense, mature theme. Yeah, in and this it's a book. dark element. I think that's in a lot of his books. Yeah, which are you know that childhood is traumatic, mm-hmm. and what you can do to a child and how that can affect them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, very, very interesting. So after Matilda hears Miss Honey's sob story, uh, she decides she needs to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so they go to Miss Trunchbull's house, which used to be Miss Honey's house, but she no longer lives there because she's been thrown out. Um, and they, in the movie, yeah, they, this is all in the movie. they sneak into the house because Miss Honey's like, oh yeah, there was this doll there that I really liked and pictures of my parents that I can't have now because Miss Trunchbull won't even give me pictures of my own parents yeah. who are dead. <laughs> um, so they're like, let's go in. And they go in 
And of course, Miss Trunchbull leaves to go work out, but then her car breaks down, which is a car that she bought from Matilda's father. So of course it's faulty. (laughs) And so she comes back and it's this whole scene where you're like, oh no, she's coming back. She's going to find them. Yeah. And they're running and hiding. And this is literally a horror movie. It is. They're in this creepy old house while Miss Trunchbull is kind of, and she knows someone's in there. She's like sniffing them out. Yeah. (laughs) And they're separated. So they keep like distracting her, like trying to go out the back door, but it's locked. And then they're in the basement and it kind of goes on for a long time. It does. This went on a touch too long for me in the movie. And I feel like this is disturbing, probably for children. Like I would have been scared watching this if I was young. I would have been too. Also, I have a lot of dreams like this where (laughs) I don't know why. And it's very stressful and disturbing for me, but I have dreams where I'm running and hiding And like, there's that balance between like, okay, now you run, now you hide Mm -hmm. and you, now you run some more, but like, when do you hide? And it just, someone's chasing me. Wow. It's stressful. You should Google that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You know what every dream ever means? That you're stressed? You have anxiety. (laughs) That's what every dream ever means. (laughs) You have anxiety. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to make a website. It's going to be like a dream interpreter. And that's just all it ever says. Every (laughs) answer. You have anxiety. It just comes up huge on the screen. (laughs) Yes, this is a whole wacky wacky event that happens in the movie yeah and they end up in the basement and then like they can't get out Mm -hmm. and you're like oh my god but then they get out the the basement window and they barely get out it's fine and and this is followed later by a scene where matilda returns yeah after she's been honing her telekinesis yeah she trains she yeah she's like like a training rocky montage yeah and she goes back to the house and then uses her powers to scare trench bowl with mm-hmm. like a photo like a painting of uh miss honey's father who she probably almost definitely murdered magnus <laughs> magnus she like chases her around with that photo yeah i thought a lot of these effects of things moving around yeah. with her powers were really really well done there's that great scene where she's training where she's dancing in the house yeah and like the cards are flying and those the- cards looked great yeah i'm like holy shit like these effects are really good mm-hmm. and then when things are actually moving um like at one point like that uh painting that she's controlling in her house flies up onto the wall like i think it's just being pulled by wires and stuff but it's very i don't know it looks very convincing it's i mean it it is a real thing yeah i would just say like the movement of it and everything is really well done It, it is i liked it too yeah yeah so she tries to freak out the trunch bowl In preparation for the next day when she's going to freak her out some more. (laughs) (laughs) This is just the beginning, just a taste of the freak out. These two scenes um, in the house and Matilda uh, freaking out the trench bowl are not in the book. Matilda just gets some crucial information from Miss Honey, some backstory on Miss Trunchbull. And then the next day at school, when the Trunchbull comes to their class, Matilda decides to get spooky. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So during a scene, I kind of forget this whole thing that unfolds. A lot of different things happen. Yeah. Does it start with the chalk writing? Uh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it begins, the chalk begins to move uh, on its own with yeah. Matilda's powers and write on the board. Mm-hmm. And in the book, this is kind of the only thing that happens. Yeah. Because this is enough 
for to affect to the scare. trench bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Miss Honey tells her that she's uh, Miss Trunchbull is superstitious or something. Or in maybe the, that's in the movie. In the movie. Yeah. Because they see her like scared of a cat. I don't think that's in the book, but I'm not sure. I just want to read from the book like what Matilda writes on the wall and oh, yeah. on the chalkboard. She writes, Agatha, this is Magnus. And that's Miss Trunchbull's first name. Yeah. And so this chalk is just writing this on the board and the kids are like screaming. (laughs) And then this is Magnus. And then underneath it, it is Magnus and you better believe it. (laughs) And then Agatha, give my Jenny back her house. Give my Jenny her wages. Give my Jenny the house. Then get out of here. If you don't, I will come and get you. I will come and get you like you got me. I am watching you, Agatha. <laughs> <laughs> and Miss Trunchbull loses her shit. Just completely passes out. Yeah. And I love in the book, one of the kids, I forget which one, like Neil. Yeah. Or Nigel is like, oh, I've heard that when someone passes out, you should throw water on them. <laughs> so he like takes a whole like pitcher of water and like Miss Honey doesn't stop him. She's, She's like, OK. Yeah. okay. <laughs> and then like teachers come in and they're like, oh, you threw water on her. Good. <laughs> like, you should throw more water on her. <laughs> no one likes her. Yeah. Uh, the movie kind of. It takes a little bit more to get Miss Trunchbull riled up. Yes. So she. At one point, God, what are, oh, so then the chalky racers start clapping on her. Yeah. And she passes out, but then she wakes up mm-hmm. and then she grabs a child and she javelins him out the window. Yeah. But and Mat- Matilda saves him. Matilda f- uses her powers to fly him around and back into the room. Yeah. And then, and then she tries to charge Lavender mm-hmm. and Matilda lifts Lavender in the air so she does not get crushed <laughs> by a woman running like a linebacker at her. Yeah, like a raging bull. <laughs> so she ends up in the hallway and Matilda like gets everyone's lunch boxes out. So they start pelting her with food. And then the, all the other kids like within the school are like, this seems like a good idea. And then they <laughs> all just pelt her until she leaves. Yep. And she just <laughs> takes off. Yep. And that's the last anyone sees of the trench bowl. Yep. She leaves. She skips town. Miss Honey gets her house back. Mm-hmm. She uh, nicens it up a bit um, <laughs> because Miss Trunchbull was basically like, I don't know. I want to live in a haunted house where I murdered a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently she did. I don't know. Yeah. She's like, I want it to look terrifying. Yeah. I want... When when it does become, I want to invite the haunting to happen to me. <laughs> I just want to like really prime the house. Put that out there that into vibe. the world. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I'm embracing this. <laughs> so yeah, Miss Honey gets her life back basically, and uh, things kind of wrap up really quickly after that. Um, Matilda hangs out with Miss Honey at her house now, and Miss Honey has more to offer her than just, like, a crust of bread. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then one day, Matilda finds out that her parents are fleeing the country. Yes. Because the FBI agents in the movie that we've Mm -hmm. been watching have finally caught on, and so they're escaping, and they're like, get in the car, and she doesn't want to go. She wants to stay with Miss Honey. Yeah. And, of course, Miss Honey's like, I... I would love to, but I can't because mm-hmm. you belong to them. And this is the scene in the movie where Matilda's like, actually, I have all the proper paperwork already printed out. Here are the adoption out. papers. <laughs> <laughs> and she like gives them to her dad. Like, if you can just sign here, here, initial here. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one of the scenes that I love where Matilda is just kind of 
very calm and collected and just like she's like i know what i want way more on top of things than like any of the adults i have the paperwork (laughs) (laughs) and then so then she's legally adopted by miss Miss honey Honey. yeah in in the book there's no adoption papers so her parents essentially abandon her yeah they just ditch her completely (laughs) i mean they're already criminals yeah what's one abandoned child along the way yeah yeah and then (laughs) miss honey and matilda live happily ever after and we get this really cute little montage at the end of the movie i know where they're like hula hooping in the house they're having a picnic they're Mm -hmm. getting uh bedtime stories yeah and essentially in both versions in the book she kind of loses her ability yeah of using psychic ability yeah yeah miss miss honey believes that it's because she's finally getting like the mental stimulation that she needs. Because she's no longer in the kindergarten class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, let's move Matilda up. And so her brain is actually like, oh, it's getting exercised and, you know, stretched more than it was. And it's almost like her excess brain energy, because it wasn't being used, was just giving her psychic powers. But here's the question. Which would you rather have? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> would you rather? Or maybe it's only in times of need. Mm, possibly yeah but assuming (laughs) miss honey is right yeah psychic powers and forever stuck in kindergarten or like living like a normal human a smart human a smart human okay (laughs) let's say a doctor yeah i don't know i might go with psychic powers yeah i mean that that sounds great to me anyway that's true yeah in the movie, she still has her psychic powers. She does. It's more just like she chooses not to use them. Yeah. For fucking whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> I know I have these amazing, miraculous powers that defy all logic, but I'm not going to use them. The newest member of the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Matilda. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. That's all she wrote. That's the book. All he wrote. And the movie. It's both. It is both. Now, on to the most arbitrary, superfluous decision of the episode. Yes, based on our opinions only. Yes. Which was better? You know, I have no idea. Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) But let's pick one anyway. Yeah, this is close for me because there are things that I... And was like not as big of a fan of in the movie, like the really long house scene. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it, the movie does kind of like suffer a bit once Danny DeVito isn't in it as much. At the beginning, yeah. that movie is peak. Like yeah. when Danny DeVito's around mm-hmm. and just being an asshole. Being crappy. I love it. I would take a three hour film of that and yeah. it would beat everything else. <laughs> but when Danny DeVito's not around, it's not just not quite as good. No. Um, but then again, in the book, there are, I don't know, it it does feel like it maybe needed a little something else. Yeah, the book is kind of, I, I, I'd say straightforward, maybe. Yeah, I think it's not a lot of depth. Well, not, not depth, but like we talked about you know, foreshadowing things, building up elements in the movie, which yeah. I like. Structurally, yeah. I think the movie does a much better job yeah. of kind of establishing things. Like, the book almost reads like 
just random things Roald Dahl was deciding as he wrote it. Like, yeah. uh, and then maybe this should happen. And then, mm-hmm. uh, like the psychic powers when those happen. Yeah. It's like three quarters into the book. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it almost just serves as like a random, uh, like solution do sex machina yeah. moment where it's like, Oh, here's this, this is how it's going to solve everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I really like the writing in the book. Yeah. It's very funny. And I think the themes are more mature in the book, mm-hmm. which I kind of like. You know, yeah. I, I think they're very thoughtful and interesting and, you know, span. Uh, they're not refined to like the, the age range on the book. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I was very interested reading it. Mm hmm. I I really don't know either. Uh, I'm so torn. Um, I know I have a solution. Here we go. Okay. We'll just say the opposite of each other. (laughs) We'll split the difference. (laughs) Neither of us can decide. Okay. So I'll just say movie, and I'll say book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this one was really tough for me. I don't know why. I know we've had other tough ones before, but this one just seems like. I can't like the scales are so even. I know. I think like usually like when it's close, I'm usually like, well, I just typically like movies better. So I kind of always like lean that way. But this is a really. Oh, man. Like when the movie's good, it's better. Yeah. But the book is consistent Mm -hmm. pretty much in terms of like quality. Quality. Yeah. And themes. And themes. Yeah. So. But movie. <laughs> Book. <laughs> uh, definitely read it if you haven't or if you haven't read it in a long time and want to re- reread something from your childhood, definitely read it again. It's fun. And uh, watch the movie. Yeah, for sure. Both of those things. Okay. Lightning round. Let's do lightning round. Okay. So first for lightning round for me, uh, just a little bit of interesting, sad, but kind of sweet backstory about this movie Mm. is either during the filming of it or right before the filming of it, uh, Mara Wilson's mother passed away. Oh my gosh. From breast cancer. Wow. And, but like Mara Wilson, like still stuck to the schedule and like, wow. Like acted in the entire movie, like despite that happening to her. Oh my gosh. Uh, and I was reading that Danny DeVito and his wife who plays his wife in the movie, Mm -hmm. Uh, really like grew close to her because they kind of like did a lot to like help her out and take care of her during the filming of the movie because like the dad was very busy with work and like everything relating to mom passing away and like Danny DeVito and his wife would like take her back to their house and like entertain her and stuff like that's sweet I know it's like so sad and sweet (laughs) and it was like just really interesting to read about yeah so that's sad I didn't know that I know it's really terrible but very, very sweet and nice to hear that about like Danny DeVito and stuff and like yeah. what he did and his wife and everything. So mm-hmm. I thought that was very interesting backstory on that. Yeah. Uh, so not a lot of lightning round content in the book. Uh, with yeah. children's <laughs> books, uh, there's less plot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a funny scene when it's Matilda's first day at school and Miss Honey um, starts talking to her and finds out that Matilda is a genius. And she spends the whole class period being like, 
well, do you know this thing, Matilda? And like, can you do this like math thing? And like asking her about all this stuff, totally ignoring the other student students. Yeah. And then like the bell rings and she's like, oh my gosh, okay, I guess like go outside and play, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, oh my, my stars, Matilda. Just caught in this whirlwind. <laughs> yeah, she just like keeps questioning Matilda about things and every other kid is just like, uh, what? <laughs> this is dumb. <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> uh, in the movie... It's the first scene where uh, Matilda's powers are hinted at, Mm -hmm. where her parents, her dad is literally holding her head, making her watch this game show. (laughs) And the game (laughs) show is called Let's Get Sticky, (laughs) where they take a a guy and like cover him in like syrup and like put him in a wind tunnel of cash and just like he's trying to get cash to stick to him. (laughs) And it's so funny. It seems realistic. It does. (laughs) And this kind of like touches on something in the movie where I really loved the production design at the beginning at her house. Yeah. Because it's very uh, trashy, like colorful. Mm hmm. Uh, decor you know what I mean it's very colorful but kind of like cheap. uh yeah very cheap and like gaudy yeah yeah mm-hmm. and like later in the movie when they go to the school it's all drab and kind of gray and like it's effective but I love the beginning yeah with like the tacky house and everything yeah and like the the carpet like the shag carpet yeah. in her parents bedroom I love that yeah. I love and, and the, the game show kind of reminded me of that but that was something <laughs> else <laughs> uh so that uh, jaded uh, older student who talks to Lavender and Matilda at the school. Her name is Hortensia in the book and she talks about how she's played pranks on the Trunchbull and how it's kind of like a war between the students and the Trunchbull. Yeah. And they're always trying to get one over on her and she talks about a couple pranks that she pulled that got her thrown into the chokey <laughs> where she put uh, syrup on Miss Trunchbull's chair so when she sat down, it made like a splat noise. And when she tried to get up, it was like really squishy and gross. And then she gets this special itching powder that she like <laughs> orders do. through the mail or something and put put it in Miss Trunchbull's like underpants that she just keeps in her office, apparently. Yeah. I was like, why does she have those at work? But that made like Miss Trunchbull super itchy and uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved her stories, just her telling them and yeah like, and they're always like how'd you get caught yeah they're like so in awe of her yeah they're like you're such a rebel <laughs> and that's our lightning round that's lightning round thank you so much for listening to this episode it was great reading my first rolled doll yeah i'm a little late to the party but a i really i really enjoyed it though <laughs> uh if you have any other rolled doll books that you'd like us to cover in the future let us know or just books in general yeah or your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on anything yes we love what do you think about danny devito as a person <laughs> <laughs> on a scale of nine to ten how yeah. great is he <laughs> Yeah, uh, we got an email recently Oh yeah, uh, from someone in France. Yeah, a listener who, in France. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, next episode, we're doing a book that was a suggestion by a listener of ours. Mm-hmm. We're doing The Lovely Bones. Yeah, next episode. Next episode. Classic, classic me. Classic Ian. Saying next week when we're bi-weekly. <laughs> next episode, we'll be doing The Lovely Bones. Yeah. Uh, please rate and review us on apple podcasts yes which i have read is no longer itunes i'm oh yeah i know i mean it is Mm -hmm. but also like i think on phones it's apple podcasts okay it's all the same yes just leave us drop us a rating drop us a review we we really appreciate it we love it 
Mm-hmm. Uh, find us on Twitter mm-hmm. at Covered Two Credits. That's with the number two. And email us at Covered Two Credits. Blah, 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 blah. Email us at Covered Two Credits Pod at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and on Instagram. We got some quality content on there. We're also on Patreon if you'd like to support us. Um, we, we do have some bonus content, bonus content, uh, occasional uh, bonus episodes, and mm-hmm. just thoughts and things and things going on. So yeah, support us on that. Uh, we really appreciate it, and we'll see you next episode. Next episode. Bye. Bye.